Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody here. You know, this time of year, for those that are in Texas, knows that summer has just begun. <laughs> most parts of the world, most parts of the country only have a few months. I, I saw, uh, I think it was Jeff's uh, uh, post on Facebook that, you know, through this summer, you know, the months, you got summer, 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 fall, no, summer some more, fall, two days last year, you know, and so forth. So, uh, yeah, as, as we get closer, thank you, as we get closer to uh, fall, <clears throat> I want to just encourage you, I know that sometimes it gets gets hot, and yesterday uh, uh, I took Luke's truck while he was gone, and, and uh, decided I would go pick up uh, a sink for the coffee shop, a three-compartment sink, which they tell us that we have to have, and and uh, but he didn't tell me that his air condition went out. I can't wait for that boy to get back. I had just taken a shower, and then I got in the sauna all the way down to Joshua, Texas. And uh, yeah, it was warm. It was warm. You know, uh, the coffee shop is progressing along, and you know, uh, I talked to some people that uh, used to go to our church, and they said, you know, I was going to give them kind of an update, and they go, no need. Uh, Jeff Howell has posted pictures on Facebook, so we, we know all that's going on, and said something, I go, really? That? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He, they, they reminded me of something that they saw that was going on at the, the coffee shop, and uh, he's been down there with all of us, sheetrocking and putting in insulation, and uh, we appreciate him keeping us updated. And uh, what's funny is that uh, the other day he was down there after work and he gets a text and goes, I got to go. And I said, why? What What happened? Emergency? He goes, no, Debbie, which is his wife, says, you better not be at the coffee shop. Well, then he shows. <laughs> Matter of fact, late at night you can see he's kind of a, uh, haunting the uh, back of it. You know, he just walks around and takes pictures. Not haunting, but anyway. Stalking, that's a good word. We are, we are seeing progress and uh, all the little details that go into building a building and building a firewall, which means it has to be uh, super duper super. And uh, just just a lot of work. So we're progressing along and hope to get our First inspection on the sheetrocking next week, and then we'll do the other side of the firewall for about a week, and then probably all the rest of it in one week will be put up. That's just kind of how long it takes to build the firewall. So anyway, we're, we're uh, seeing progress and we're excited about it. And, you know, I, I'm just, uh, let me tell you, I, I'm encouraged by the people that are working on the coffee shop. You know, some of them, they, they never have really been introduced to Jesus, uh, and, and just being able to talk to them, some of the subcontractors that come in, and, and they go, you know, what's this that's going in? Because everybody's curious. Matter of fact, we even had, we've had people stop by while we're working and say, you know, what's going in? We're curious. It's been uh, in construction for a while, and we just want to know what's going in. And we explain that the church owns both buildings, 
And one of the buildings on the farthest side, you know, on the west side, will be a coffee shop that the church will run, you know, for the kingdom of God and, and ex, you know, explaining that to them. And, and then we're going to lease out the other building and we're believing that it's going to pay for the entire project. And do you know that uh, people that I've talked to, uh, we've talked to attorneys, you know, just setting it all up and, and making it legal so that we're taking it out of the nonprofit status and, and all the things that go into that and the attorneys will go, you know, because they talk to people, but they kind of scoot up close and go, really? Tell us about that. We, we've never heard of a church doing it like that. They, they've heard of, you know, maybe daycares or bookstores in churches, but they say, you're going to do a coffee shop and, and you're going to do a retail space? And, and they begin, and we say, well, we're here to see, can we do that? They, oh, yeah, we can do that. And I said, did you say we? Because <laughs> I like we. You know, and so they explain it, and yeah, it's very possible, and so they, they're putting it into place, and you know, it's just exciting knowing that our church is going to do something cutting edge. You know, there, there's something about an inventor or an innovator, and then somebody that's an early adapter to that, and then something that is the, uh, uh, the early adapters are followed by the majority, and then after the majority, the late adapters. You know, there, there's nothing like saying, you know, like, you know, computers are just a fad. They're going to go out. You know, that's the late adapters. And, and maybe some of you have just got a computer because now you're sold. Hopefully not. But we are innovators. We are the inventors of something that's going on, especially in our community, that is, that is new. A new way of, uh, you know, having income come in to support the ministry. One of those ways that we're supporting ministry in, in the kingdom of God is we have a group of Green Berets that just left for Honduras. Let me tell you, some of them are Navy SEALs, some are Green Berets, some of them are uh, Rangers. And, and let me tell you, they're just cutting edge people, as you know, that are usually here every Sunday. And uh, they were so excited, even though that the day they left, which was Saturday, they had to get up about 1.30 in the morning. They had to be here at the church about, I believe it was 2.30 in the morning. And they had to be at the airport about 5 o'clock in the morning. They flew all the way to Florida, which if you flew from DFW to Honduras, it might take hour and a half, two hours maybe, somewhere around there. But they had to fly to, to Florida because, they, of course, it's an inexpensive or more inexpensive flight. They had to fly to Miami, Florida, and they had a layover. They got there, I believe it was around 8. They had to stay until noon. And then from noon there to Honduras, and they got to Honduras. But, you know, when they took pictures and sent them back, they're going, man, we're having a great time. And uh, the pictures didn't lie because they didn't have, you know, in Miami, they were laying there, you know, uh, you know, some of them were tired and stuff. But when they got to the place in Honduras that they're ministering, let me tell you, all of them are smiling and all of them are ready to go. And it might have something to do with the good coffee that also they serve there. But, but we know that the Spirit of God is working in and through them in Honduras. And I'm, I'm so excited about that. This morning, I'm going to continue my series, You've Got to Nourish to Flourish. Now, we've talked about a couple weeks ago, and last week was a music camp, and they did such a great job, didn't they, our children? And I was just so proud of them, all the work that Keith and Christy and the team that put together. 
A couple weeks ago, I started this series in talking about the purple cow and, and how amazing it is that we're doing something that stands out in the world. And, and when the people of this community go, wow, you know, what is it that you have? That, that's what we need. That, that we begin to see people then have a desire for more than just saying, well, what, what is God? What, who is God? That, what is He going to do for me that's like anything else or anyone else? But we begin to tell them the good news of what Jesus Christ did for them. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Father's Day, I talked about having peace and you've got to nourish to flourish. And if you do not have peace in your life, that it's hard to flourish as a believer. And you might find yourself in that place today. You might have come and you go, no, Pastor, it might be the summer, but there's something about that I've just kind of drugged down in my energy. You know, when, when I was doing this sermon this week and I began to think of all the the exploits of all the super kind of heroes in the Word of God. We talk about Abraham and, you know, having the faith to be the father of many nations, to have the faith to believe God, even though he went to a place that he didn't even know where he was going. He was trusting God. We know that people like Moses and, and taking a bunch of people that were kind of cantankerous and everybody signed up to go, to the promised land, but once they left Egypt, they started complaining. We, we see the supernatural faith that Moses had, even though that there are times that are low, there are times of uh, being on the mountaintop, so to speak, uh, in spirituality of their lives. We, we know that there is a continual push. David, having the ability to go into to battle against a giant when everybody else... Now realize, we all want to say, you know, we would have just ran in and took on Goliath like, you know, bag of chips, you know. Let, let me have that guy. But the truth of the matter, there was something in David, as we know, someone in David. And that was that he was to a place place in his life that he had nourished. In other words, he had allowed the presence of God and being in the presence of God to change him. So when the circumstance, the project came, he was able to meet it. It's the same thing throughout the Word of God. If you, if you take Paul, if you take any of the disciples, that they prepared ahead of time and they nourished themselves through the Word of God and then we're seeing the flourishing, the, the things of the fruit of the Spirit coming out in their life and the, the acts of, you know, triumph in the battles and so this morning i'm going to preach a message and, and i'm going to title it don't quit now i want it to be encouraging so again with that paradigm let's begin in, in 1972 that there was a, a a scientist in a in nasa that came up with an idea that they were going to send a satellite all the way to jupiter it was almost crazy thinking about it, but they were going to send a, a satellite to take some pictures of the planet and also the moons around it. They thought that some people criticized it because they said that it would never make it because of the asteroid belt, asteroids and the, the, yeah, the space debris that would that pulverize it before it even got close to Jupiter. But one year later, it reached Jupiter just like it was designed and began to take pictures of the planets and its moons. Then it kept on going. Almost 2 billion miles from Earth, it passed Uranus taking pictures. And then Neptune, 3 billion miles, it kept going. It went 8 billion miles. And here's the thing, it's still going. It's like the Everetti Bunny, you know, that they used to say, keep going. On January 1st, 2016, I got this report off the internet, so it could have even been, there's probably one 
sooner or just recent. But in January 2016, Pioneer 10 was predicted to be about 10 billion miles from Earth and traveling at 26,900 miles per hour. But what's amazing is it's running and sending transmitting pictures back to Earth on a transmitter that's only an 8-watt transmitter. That's the size of a nightlight probably in your bedroom. 8 Watt transmitter. It was only really created to be at the very highest level at three years. But it's still going. Now, it's amazing that God can work through us when you think about it, that God chooses man. Every time there's a project, any time that there's a supernatural request that God gives, He always chooses a man or woman. Have you ever noticed that He doesn't send an angel to earth to say, you know, you guys just sit down because I, I need someone a little bit more spiritual. to No, He chooses us. And I want us to understand that even though that God chooses us and we say, you know, I don't know how He's going to do it, He cannot use anyone that says, I quit. I'm tired. I don't know if I can go on. This is all I'm going to do the rest of my life. I'm just done. This morning, I want to encourage you that your greatest days are still to come. And you say, Pastor, how do you know that? And the only way that I know it is to stand on the Word of God that God will never leave me nor forsake me. And as long as God is walking alongside of me, that what I used to be or what I did in the past is not greater than what I see in my future. Can anybody that's encouraged today say amen? amen. If you're not encouraged, you just stay seated. We're going to get going here in a minute. We have to understand, though, that Satan cannot stop us from doing the work of God, but he tries to delay us. So right now in your situation, if you're feeling like, you know, I don't see progress in my life, I see all these obstacles that have just come into my life, which I know a lot of what you're going through because you've shared it with me. I've already explained some of the, the health issues in our church and some of the things that are going on, and they're going on in marriages. They're going on in, in not only in health, but in relationships. And sometimes the obstacles come in and, and sometimes life begins to pile in and it's so easy for us to allow kind of a hesitation in what God has called us to do in our life. Kind of a, a time of saying, you know what, Pastor, if I could just rest a little bit, if I could go on an extended vacation, if I could just kind of hunker down right here, I think I'd be a lot better off. And what Satan is doing is he is delaying what God has placed in your heart making Him number one and the priority that rules and balances out your whole life. Because as the Word of God says, when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these other things are going to be added to you. But so many times we want to say, you know what, I want all these other things in my life and I'll also have God over here. You know, the African proverb that says this about a person that has so many priorities. The man who tries to walk two roads splits his pants. Let me tell you, in the book of Haggai today, I want to use our example. And in the book of Haggai, 
Getting started on God's Word is not just enough. And as we have come together as a, a project of believers, and, and we've come to this place of July 4th, 2018, you know, I, I began to look back on when we started the building program and, and all that's gone into that. And sometimes, maybe you're not aware of it, but the concept plans that were given us by the architect, do you realize was December 2014? Through that time, we've rezoned the whole property into commercial property. During that time, we've taken a lot of it out of the floodplain, which took civil engineering, several months, several uh, meetings with the cities or the city, and several different things where we had to, again, feel like an obstacle was in our way. And even though sometimes we felt like we weren't making any progress, things would open up and it was like it was done. It seemed like we had weeks and months to go before we'd ever get this done. But as long as we made the choice to take the step forward, God began to release resources and people in our favor that would have never been there if we would not have started. And if we would have quit ahead of time. This morning, I'd like you to take notes, and it's very easy. And you might think, I'll remember those, but we know that a, a short pencil is better than a long memory. And sometimes if we run into our notes later, we can be encouraged by bringing them out and begin to say, oh yeah, I remember. And I'm going to read a few passages of Scripture, and if you can just jot them down, you can go back and listen to Facebook Live is what we're doing right now. And I'm sure that all of those people on the Honduras trip are watching right now, right? All right, let's see. But the first point that I want you to be encouraged about is realizing that our God loves us, but this is the point. God knows we can be easily discouraged. Did you hear me? Sometimes we think that we're, we're, we're kind of, God says, you don't have a right to be discouraged. And even though we might think that, God knows that we can be easily discouraged. That, that's why He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If there wasn't a need for His presence in our life, He wouldn't have said it. Discouragement is to lose courage or hope. To become overwhelmed. To lose heart. You know as well as me that when you lose courage and you become discouraged, you want to quit. You want to stop. Even if it is something that God has given you to do, a project in your life. If it's believing for somebody to come to salvation, if it's believing for a healing, if it's believing that a parent can make a difference in a child's life, you get discouraged and you say, you know what, I just want to stop. But this morning I'm going to say it again. Don't quit. Your best days are ahead of you. I believe as a church, our best days are ahead of us as a church. I can say this as a pastor. I hope I'm a part of them. Can you say that? You know, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know that God holds our tomorrow. We believe that He has our future in our hands, and as long as we believe that, discouragement has a way of melting away. The verse I want you to see is starting in Haggai chapter 2. It's a, it's a passage of Scripture that we don't read that much, but let me tell you, it is for the discouraged. I'm going to read it, and it says, On the 21st day of the seventh month, now if their calendar ran like us, it would be July 21st. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, Speak to Zerubbabel, son of... 
governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them. Now, I love this. He says in verse 3, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? They're building the temple. They're rebuilding the temple that Solomon had previously built. He is saying, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Now again, here's the kind of the background of this passage that they would realize in this time because they're living it. The Feast of the Tabernacles is taking place. It's a week-long celebration. Now, now, this is a feast that went on in a celebration to really just celebrate their freedom, their independence from leaving and being in bondage in Egypt. Right before Haggai's message to the people was the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was when their sins or the sins of the people were forgiven. This is just like kind of our Independence Day when everybody should have been encouraging each other and eating and you know like a lot of us will do in a few days and and uh, you know homemade ice cream, oh, and hamburgers and mm. They should have been so encouraged celebrating the goodness of God and focusing on what God had done for them, but they began to become discouraged. This was a remnant of people that had come back from slavery from Babylon, and now they're trying to rebuild the temple of God, and they've fallen into all these obstacles. But this morning, the biggest obstacle was that they began to look back on the former temple, and they began to get discouraged by the one that they're seeing being built. Are you with me? See, Solomon's temple was a masterpiece. People would travel from all over the world just to see his temple. That's what they were known for. The worship of one God and their amazing temple. But God asked the people, are you comparing it with the former temple? Is there any one of you that are still here that remember the splendor of that temple? See, here's a group of people, and, and it's, it's highly doubtful that any of them were even alive when they saw the Temple of Solomon. Did you hear me? It's 70 years, since, at least since they've been in, in Babylon. and they come. It is very rare if there was even one person. But here's the thought. They had heard of the former glory of Solomon's temple, and they began to weep and become discouraged even when they're building the temple in present time and their present time. And they're saying, it, they're, oh, it's not as good. Let me tell you what caused the people to become discouraged. And even to the point that they wanted to quit, the people had the wrong perspective. And you might be in that same place. You might be in a place right now where you're saying, you know what, I, I, just, I just can't do it. Matter of fact, in Ecclesiastics, the, the wise Solomon said this in chapter 7, verse 10. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. He said, don't be looking back on the old days and going, boy, those were some good old days. You know, I used to laugh at all those senior citizens that used to do that until I became a little bit more mature. And if I'm not careful, I'll go, oh, I remember when my mom and daddy. Now, I didn't have the southern accent because I knew. Anyway, but anyway. 
I remember those days. It's so easy to live in the past. Because as we look in the past, we begin to look through rose-colored glasses. And what happens is we begin to forget all the rough times that we went through and just the highlights. And we begin to say, all those old days were so much better. I don't know about you, but I said earlier that I took a trip in a truck without air conditioning. I like the new days a lot better than the old days. I like sitting in here with walls because we can air condition it instead of having an open tabernacle where everybody's fly swatting, you know, and fanning themselves. That's just one thing. That's Here's a group of people that are focused on the past. Therefore, it's giving them very little hope for their future. Now, that's the key thought that I want you to see. Because God knows how easy it is for us to become discouraged. You know, even in our country as United States citizens and Americans, and as we realize that our freedom sometimes goes kind of without notice, or we take it for granted that how many people have fought for it and given their life. You know, I I read something about George Washington and, you know, Valley Forge, and and we, we know about the American Revolution and how much it means to us. And, you know, just recently we've had a family in our church get their United States or their American citizenship after 20 some years of waiting. And they're just like, and we're kind of, well, good. Yeah, good for you. But, but to think back on even the beginning of it, they said in, in the American Revolution, at one of the lowest times in the war was at Valley Forge. It was during the winter, and even though it was extremely cold, what made it miserable was the rain that fell that year. It became so muddy that there was no food or warm clothes. And here's the part that kind of got me is, as I was reading that, one of the biggest frustrations on General at the time, George Washington's life, is that he has all these men that are counting on him, but they couldn't even pay most of them. And the states, the governments that were all kind of in similar opposition on different things, they weren't totally united at the time, would even hold some of their resources back instead of supporting the army. They said that George Washington at that time became very discouraged as well as the men as they began to to suffer in all the, the ailments of what an army goes through. They didn't have the support. But it's different for us. We have God's support all the time. And that's the thing of the wrong perspective. When we get looking at the past, we think, God, where are you today in the present? And are you going to be in the future? Now let me tell you this. Because it's very important to understand, even though that God knows that we can easily get discouraged. Let me, let me give you in this passage, and it, it's something that we can apply to our life. And, and the second point is God's antidote for discouragement. See, if discouragement comes, there's a loss of courage and hope. Let me, let me state the obvious. You can't encourage yourself if you don't have any hope. It can only come from someone who possesses strength or hope. Now, this is why it's so important. Sometimes you might get to the question of why do I go to church? 
Because I'm telling you, when you come in, these songs that we lead you in worship, and Lisa comes up here and does a great job. It, it just so happened this day, it's a little bit different, but I kind of like the acoustical set. But, you know, we kind of sent all of our musicians to Honduras. <laughs> Lisa, no problem. We got Daniel. <laughs> we were, we were going to hook up some cymbals to his legs and put a kazoo on it. <laughs> One man band. But when you come into this church, man, you begin to hear hope. And faith spoke to you every week. And you know as well as me, all you have to do is miss a few weeks and you don't realize the erosion that has taken place that you've been in a, in a culture of this world that begins to drag you. You didn't even realize it until you came back. Woo! I missed the Word of God being spoke to me. Look at verse 4 of chapter 2. I, I, this, this is God's antidote. This is the creator of the universe speaking through the prophet. Now watch this. These people are, oh, they're discouraged. I've been there. I'm not making fun of them. But God shows up and here's what He says. But now, be strong, O Zubral. He's the guy that's actually building the temple. He's actually the king that's got all the pressure on his shoulders. And here's God Almighty speaking to him. And he says, but now, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. I, I love it when it says, declares the Lord. In other words, my signature's on it. Remember who's speaking, Zerubbabel. I am, declares the Lord. Be strong. That's number two. He says, be strong. Oh, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I'm with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This morning, if you are discouraged, realize that God has already made a covenant with you, an agreement, a contract that says, don't be afraid, I'm with you. See, it's important to have friends that are speaking in your life, godly friends that are encouraging you and giving you hope and understanding that you have a future. But to realize that the creator of the universe is coming alongside of you and saying, I've got your back. No matter what the obstacle that is immediately in front of you, I've got your back. Now sometimes you feel like the Lion King, you know, the little Simbas, we've talked about it before, the little lion in that movie. I don't know if you saw it, and I, I just saw it, you know, I was flipping channels and it's just, you know, no, no, really, I cried, you know. I'm... And, and in that movie, there's this little lion club, cub and all these hyenas are... Mm, It'll preach. Let me tell you, it'll preach. All these little our big hyenas are trying to eat him and they're, they're about right and he's backing up. And all of a sudden they start getting timid and they begin to shy back because his father, what's his name? Mufasa. You guys watched it too. Mufasa. The big daddy line is behind him and all those hyenas are like, oh. But here's what's amazing is that little cub is like, yeah. Yeah. That's you and I. 
to understand that if you're in discouragement this morning and, and the, what God has given you to do in your life, and part of that is being part of this church, and, and we're seeing something take place in that, in that coffee shop project that I'm telling you is supernatural in the world that we live in. And if you not if you have not been aware of what we're doing, you will soon be involved in it. And let me tell you, that's when we go. You know what? That look at what we know. It's because God has been beside us all the way, and He begins to say, "You know what? I got you." And then He says this. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, probably one of my favorite passages out of this whole story. God says to him, this is what the word of the Lord says to Zerubbabel. In other words, here's your little custom message, Zerubbabel. Be ready. Here it comes. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, O mighty mountain? In other words, the obstacles that was facing Zerubbabel and the people, that all the people of that outside of Israel were coming against them and they were telling lies to the, the government back in, in Babylon and everything was seemingly impossible as a big mountain. And God speaks to that mountain as God has even given us authority to speak to the mountain. What are you, O mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. How many people here today need a mountain to become level ground in your life? Let me see your hand. Mm. I knew I'm preaching this message for you today. What are you, almighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone. In other words, this is the final piece, the capstone to shouts, God bless it! God bless it! Another translation says, Grace, grace! Only by the grace of God did that happen. Verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to me, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands will also complete it. It'll be a done deal. God is saying, Zerubbabel, you've you got it going on. You're my man. But it's not by your might. It's not by your power. But I want to let you know now, it's by my Spirit. This morning, the Spirit of God is God's antidote to our discouragement. There is a point in our life when we get discouraged, and there is a point that we have to say, God, I need your Spirit to encourage me. Now, now here, here's what John Miller does and what God has encouraged me to do in my discouragement at times is to worship. Do you know how crazy you might feel with ed earphones on doing your daily walk down the street singing, hey, la, la, you know, because you're never on tune when you can't even hear yourself. Shout to the Lord! Oh! I mean, the dogs in the neighborhood just can't wait to hear me. Woo! You know? But I don't care. Because as I worship God, the Spirit of God, the presence of God inhabits the praises of His people. God's presence is here. And all of a sudden, the obstacles, the enemy, the voices that come and say, you just need to quit. And you know why they sound so real? They're John Miller's voice. 
It, it would be different if I heard, you know, Beelzebub, you need to quit. Uh, no, you're, who are you? You know, but it's always, it sounds just like my voice. You know what I'm talking about? During those days at Valley Forge, George Washington would find his strength by, they said, going outside of the camp. Now, you've got to remember how horrible it probably was. Discouraged. And they said that he would find a place outside the camp to pray. And some of you have seen that famous picture of him praying. Sometimes you'll hear people say he never did pray, but that they would love to prove that our founding fathers weren't Christians. But I'm telling you, their reports were people of the community. You know, here's a group of farmers that weren't getting paid to provide for the uh, American soldiers because the American currency was now devalued because the British had brought so much forgery in it, it devalued the American, what at that time, the currency. So the farmers even found it easier to provide the food to the British because they could pay. In one of those moments of discouragement, George Washington would go out and pray. And I read an article that was written back in that time that one of the families that lived in that area had become concerned because everybody knew that any day that the army would just mutinize. I mean, they'd just declare mutiny and run off. They knew that re-enlistment was coming up and a lot of them weren't going to re-enlist because of the horrible conditions and stuff. He's out praying. And one of the farmers, one of the families said that he was going through the woods on his way back when he heard an unusual sound. And over into the woods, he saw George Washington praying. He went home and he told his family, he said, Americans are going to beat the British. And they said, how do you know? Because their leaders, do not re- they do not rely on themselves, but they rely on the Spirit of God. They believe in the passage, call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you because then I will get glory. What, what I love about point number three is it's so encouraging and it's this. Don't quit. The best is yet to come. See, here's God and He comes on the situation and changes their perspective and their eyes begin to open of the reality of His glory and who He is. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 6 through 9, let me just read this real quick. This is what the Lord Almighty says in a little while. I love this. We We can all suffer if we know that there's an end to it. And He says... This is what I say, in a little while, in a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth. He can't do that. Oh, what am I talking about? He is God. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come and I will fill this house, this temple with glory, says Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. 
The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. He keeps declaring, it is I who's saying this. And I have the authority to say it, and I have the power to say it. See, here they are with the wrong perspective, thinking that this temple would not be as good as Solomon's temple. So they become discouraged, which again, is a, there's a byproduct of discouragement, and that is lack of energy. And then a lack of energy, then it's a, it's a move me, moving around of priorities. When you're discouraged, you want to take a vacation every other day. And here's God, and He says, let me give you just a little bit of insight of what's coming. You don't want to be on vacation discouraged when it comes. I want to change your perspective and give you hope on the future. First of all, let me just remind you that I'm God. Let let me remind you that all the gold and silver is mine. So if I want a temple as good as Solomon's or even better, I can give it to you. And then he talks about the most important thing. That my glory will fill this house. Even to the point I want you to realize that it's going to be greater than Solomon's temple. How could that possibly be? Have you ever thought about that? How, if you've ever heard that verse, how is that possible? Because years later, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, will come into that temple. And the peace of God will come to this earth. Again, Zechariah 4 verse 10 says, Who despises the day of small things? You have to nourish to flourish. To get to the point of Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to His power that is work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Well, let me give you some things that I want you to work on to begin to nourish some steps to put in your life. If you're discouraged today, again, I want you to see these points. Real quick, I want to give you eight. The first one is expect the enemy to try to discourage you. It's so amazing how we can be proactive and know that this is going to happen and this might be your first day at the church and maybe the first time of even hearing the Word of God and, and people would say, yeah, 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 I know the enemy's out there and I know he's going to just... But there's something about being ready. Be sure to guard against negative and pessimistic thoughts. Number two is examine your perspective. Are we, are we looking forward with hope? Or are we staying in the past? Losing hope. Number three is judge what we see and what we listen to. Again, this is so important because the culture that we live in is critical. And they've even done studies on people that the longer that their mind stays still, the more it is easier to go negative than positive. Just because of what comes in. It's important to see who's around you. Number four, listen for God's word of encouragement. 
It's just not wishful thinking, but it's God's word of encouragement in your life. Again, when you're, when you're singing songs of worship, to look at the words. Sometimes you take it for granted that you just get caught up in the melody. But let me tell you, the words of those songs are encouraging. They're God's words. Number five, look for God's vision and capture His perspective. Look for God's vision and capture His perspective. If you know without a shadow of doubt that God has a plan for your life, then again, the closer you get to God in His presence, the more that you understand the vision that He has for your life, that it's not just, you know, uh, make a wish upon a star kind of thing. That He'll provide the resources for it. Your job is not to quit, to give up. Number six, receive the strength of His Spirit to move forward. You know, I think that sometimes we, we kid ourselves in thinking that God doesn't want us to say that we're weak or that we are discouraged. That, that's ground zero. That's where we start and say, God, I have to have you. Number seven, exercise your faith and just do it. Move forward with God. Now, now, here's what's so important. It is easy to let that roll off your tongue. You know, the old Nike slogan, just do it. But there's something about every time that I hear God's Word and I go, let me, let me analyze that. Is that really... Too much analysis leads to paralysis. Until finally we just go, I, I just haven't done it. Just do it! It's amazing. The person in motion can be directed by God easier than the person that is always stagnant and stopped. Quit. Don't do that. Number eight. Believe the best is yet to come. Now again, it, that, that's not just the last point so that you go, okay. If you get to the point where you believe the best is yet to come, then you realize the famous verse in Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That again, God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the, the God that created the heavens and earth. I mean, I could go into all the things that he's done that we know. He declares this, for I know the plans I have. And sometimes I want to read it like this. This is John Miller. For I know the Christmas gift I got for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Don't listen to the enemy say that God's going to harm you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Let me tell you that we devalue hope. Let me tell you, God is saying, I'm going to give you hope. And a future. I don't want a future without hope. God says, I got that covered. I'm going to give you future with a good hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now, now let me just say this and I'm going to wrap it up. 
When we say, when we read that passage, when you seek me with all your heart, let me tell you, there is enough distractions in our life that I can say that most of us don't do that. When you get to place, and and you can call this legalism all you want, but try me. Get to a place where you're by yourself for hours. Leave your phone in the car or at home. For hours. See, sometimes we want to have the presence of God and we got 10 minutes, so let's go, God. Get by yourself for hours and just say, God, I need to hear. I need your presence in my life. You know, I'm not opposed for you to, to take some music with you. But let me tell you, if you take your phone, you're going to get calls, you're going to get texts, you're going to, well, just let me check Facebook and see if so-and-so had supper last night, you know, whatever. But if you're alone with God and you begin to worship, you might say, Pastor, you're old fogey. Yeah, just try it. Pastor, I'm discouraged. Have you sought the Lord with all your heart? Because the creator of the universe is saying when you do that, you'll begin to hear the plans I have for you. Now let me wrap it up by saying this statement that I believe God gave me this morning. There are people in your life that you need to be concerned about. And so much in our culture, we hear you got to quit worrying about what other people say about you or thinking about you and all that. And there's something about that that terminology that we kind of go, I don't care what anybody thinks or does. And so we begin to live as independent people. But see, we aren't independent people. The body of Christ is a family of believers that come together. So your actions have the ability to discourage somebody else. So when we hear the golden rule, do unto others as we want them to do unto you know, the golden rule, everybody, I don't know. Yeah, golden rule. You remember that rule? When we begin to live our life a certain way where we say, I don't care what other people think about me. In other words, I can be a knucklehead to everybody and I don't care if they think I'm a Come on now. We're not everybody. That we have a purpose. That we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So therefore, that when, when we... Come on now. Do you know that you can encourage somebody by just showing up to the birthday party? Well, I'm too busy. Well, be unbusy. You don't have to mow the backyard today if there's a birthday party. Go over to their house. Do you know that it can be encouraging for all of us if someone buys our dinner or says, don't fix dinner tonight. I'm going to bring it to you. I count to about five seconds and let that set in. Because <laughs> people say, oh, I could never do that. Come on, why is that? If that is part of the good old days, we can still bring that into the today. To encourage somebody by saying, you know what? Here's a gift certificate to whatever restaurant. To begin listening to somebody that says, boy, we went to this restaurant. We loved it. About a month later, you go, you know what? I gave you a gift 
got a gift card for you to that restaurant. That person in a discouraging moment can just all of a sudden kind of feel like, well, somebody else knows that I'm discouraged or somebody else at least has encouraged me. But let me remind you that we live in a culture that says they're going to have to take care of themselves because I don't have time. I don't have enough money. And daddy wants that new boat. And I know that God wants me to have that new boat even though those people over there are suffering. i got to have a new boat. Come on now. Think about it. How would you want somebody else to treat you? Not just in a time of discouragement, but all through your life. That's what I'm encouraging us as a church. Just as we might be an innovator in building a a coffee shop to reach people for God, we can be more of a changing agent in our culture of being people of encouragement, giving hope. I love you guys. Let's pray. I want our worship team to come back up and lead us in a song too as we pray. This morning, if you've gone through time of a discouragement, maybe you're there right now. This is a time of celebration for our country and Independence Day of what God has done for our country. And you might be saying, Pastor, I I just don't feel encouraged. You you might be here and you might have lost some income or you might have... You might have got a diagnosis that is not good. You might Who knows what the situation is that you're just discouraged and tired. You lack energy and you are now beginning to move priorities. Now's the time to say, no. No, my priority is Jesus Christ. And I know that when I seek Him with all my heart, that He'll be found. This morning, I'm going to pray for you. Would you just... Lift your hand if you're right there again. Yeah. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Yeah, if you're discouraged, we're going to pray for you. Father, right now, I just know that God, that your promises are always yes and amen. That means that we just have to say, so be it and get in line. Father, that we're we're moving. We have not decided that we're going to quit, give up, lose heart. Walk in fear, doubt, and unbelief. But God, I just pray right now. Favor to come into the life of these people and the people of our church. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and declare this to God today? Hallelujah.